The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c.com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In the first half of this message, we saw some inconsistencies in David's life. He had just spared the life of the enemy who sought his life, and yet he turned right around and was ready to kill a man who did nothing more than insult him and his men. Such a contradiction in lifestyle afflicts us all, doesn't it? But we saw that God is faithful and providentially sent someone to have a godly influence over David. That someone was Abigail. She was married to Nabal, whose name literally means fool, and who acted in accordance with that name. But she was a godly woman. She had a level head, and she went to David secretly and convinced him not to do something that he would regret later. I'm so thankful God often sends these godly influences into our lives. There's been many times when someone like Abigail has helped to dissuade me from an ungodly course of conduct. Join us today as we conclude this message about David and Abigail, and we see how important it is to leave vengeance to the Lord and how important godly influences can be on our lives. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. No me so me I know that I
And so he reported to her, he knew she was a wise and a prudent woman, according to verse 3. Uh, she was a wise and a prudent woman, and, and she was even wise enough, as we continue to read here, that she knew better than to go to her husband because he would have opposed what she wanted to do. Verse 18, Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves and two bottles of wine and five sheep ready, ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins and 200 cakes of figs and laid them on asses. And she said unto her servant, Go on before me. Behold, I come after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. She knew better. It was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the cover of the hill, and behold, David and his men came down against her, and she met them. This young, wise wife came to this great king who was furious at this point on behalf of her foolish husband, who she couldn't even herself talk to. She went to, to this king... She knew she couldn't go to her husband, but she knew that she needed to do something. And as David was preparing for war, Abigail was suing for peace. She was prepared. You know, there's, a, there's really something to what Jesus said in chapter 5 of Matthew when he said, Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. Let, let's just, let me just say to you, child of God, we ought always to be peacemakers like Abigail. She was a wise young woman. She put together enough food for David's men. She didn't say anything to her husband. She wasn't stealing from her husband, but she was simply paying a debt that he refused to pay. And then we see her humility as we continue to read. We've already read David's response here. But in verse 23, when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet and said upon me my lord upon me let this iniquity be and let thine handmaid I pray thee speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid I want you to notice something throughout this passage here this, this young lady was a faithful wife she was married to the most foolish man I read one of the most foolish people I read about in the word of God she had every right to disparage him as far as the world looks at it. She had every right to, to go to David and say, listen, I can't do anything with this idiot. <laughs> you go down there and do whatever you want to do to him, it would make my life a lot easier. <laughs> you know? She didn't do that, though. She was always faithful. What a lesson. What a lesson, ladies, about how, we, how you should treat your husbands. Now, let me just say to you also, men, before I... You know, it's, it's very self-serving for me to say uh, to my wife, even when I'm a fool, you need to stand by me and take care of me. Not that I've ever been a fool, but I guess I don't need to lie in the pulpit, do I? Uh, <laughs> over in 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word. Here's the same situation. We got a man here named Nabal that does not obey the word of God. We got a wife that's faithful to the word of God. 
Here in 1 Peter 3, we've got a man who obeys not the word, a husband who obeys not the word, and a wife who is encouraged and admonished, not just encouraged, to uh, be faithful to him. It says, uh, Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. This is a whole message in and of itself, but I'll say this to you ladies. <laughs> Uh, you know, the Bible teaches us clearly, men, it applies to us too. The Bible teaches us clearly that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle to all men. Do you know that includes your spouse? Did you know that? Sometimes, oh, well, I'm going to be gentle to all men and women out there. But it includes our families. It includes our wives, our children, our parents. It includes everybody, you see. Must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. It says here that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. If you have an unbelieving husband, it's not inappropriate to talk to that husband about the word of God. But if it becomes a strife, he says you're to win them without the word. It's not to be a constant battle. It's not to be a constant argument. It says, the way you win them without the word is verse 2, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. I know of ladies whose husbands were not faithful, were not interested in the word of God, were not interested in the church of God, and they didn't constantly argue about it. But, they, but that, that faithful dear sister continued to go to church and continued to serve the Lord. And eventually the Lord blessed in that the husband came around as well. You see, I've known several situations like that. I've also known situations where the wife says, well, he just doesn't want to go to church, so I guess until he gets ready, I'm not going to either. No, let me tell you something. Husbands or wives, don't you forsake the assembling of yourselves together. I don't care. You say, well, my husband won't go with me. I don't care. You go anyway. My wife won't go with me. I don't care. You go anyway. Well, I've just got to, I've got to go with her. I've got to go with him to one of the denominational churches of the world. Don't do that. They will behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. If they're children of God who've been born of the Spirit, that's the way to win. This sweet sister, Abigail, was a young lady who never once disparaged her husband. Not one time will you read, one time she admits the truth about him, but she doesn't go out to David running him down. Notice her humility. She fell at his feet. She uses the word Lord 14 times in this whole speech to David, re referencing David. She calls him Lord. And she was an honest woman. In verse 25, she says, Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord, whom thou didst send. She didn't lie for him. She didn't say, oh, he's a whole lot better than you realize he is. She knew he wasn't. But she said she didn't run him down either. She just told the truth about him. She was honest, confessed that her husband was the son of Belial, who lived up to his name. And she said, I didn't know about what was going on, and I could have made a difference. And then she reminded David of what he already knew. Now, therefore, verse 26, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood and from avenging thyself with thine own hand, now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which thine handmaid hath brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. 
I pray thee forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all these days. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. And the souls of thine enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And listen to this, verse 30. It shall come to pass, verses 30 and 31. It shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel, that this shall be no grief unto thee, nor offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord hath avenged himself. But when the Lord shall have dealt well with my Lord, then remember thine handmaid. Notice what she's doing here. She's reminding David of what he already knows. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. She was a faithful woman. She had apparently heard about David, apparently heard what the God had said about David, had heard about his anointing by Samuel, and believed that David was God's king, and she saw King Saul as just a man. A man is risen to pursue thee. But notice what she did. She focused on David and the Lord, and not on David and Nabal. And she emphasized the future of David. And she said, David... When, when the Lord has blessed you to be the actual king sitting on the throne, you're king already, and the Lord's going to bless you to be in Jerusalem. And when that happens, you don't want to do this thing now because you'll have regrets that will stay with you the rest of your life because vengeance is God's and not yours. You know, that's something that we would do well to remember, would it not? We would do well to remember, as we said last time, that vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. And one of the things we're going to see in this story as we, as we wrap it up, one of the, you know, there's a lot of, the fact that God said it is a reason enough to leave vengeance in the hands of the Lord. But also remember this, child of God, God has a much better way of obtaining vengeance than we could ever work out for ourselves. We're going to see that in this, in this thing. And notice now David's repentance. Verse 32. David said to Abigail, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to meet me. You know, God providentially provides for us in a daily basis to prevent us from sin. Now, He's not going to hold us down and keep us from sinning, okay? And I, but I've experienced this before. I've, you know, you ever had the time of anger where you... You're fixing, to, you're fixing to call up somebody and you're going to bless them out and, and the phone's out. <laughs> you ever notice that? Or, you, or the phone's busy or you can't get through. Or, you know, I've had the experience of typing up an email and I'm, I'm going to send this person tell them what I think, you know, and then internet's down, you know. You ever had, you ever had the experience of, of maybe you were, uh, your mind had set you on the course of committing some sin and somebody shows up at the door? Somebody calls you on the phone, a brother or sister in Christ. Now, you can overcome that. You can keep on your obstinate way if you want to. But I'd rather look at those things as God providentially sparing me from doing some kind of sin. See, that's what he did here through Abigail. Abigail came down through the providence of God, I believe. In that, in that sense, she was sent by God. 
In verse 33, she said, Blessed be thy advice, and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself in mine own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hadst hasted and come to meet me, surely they had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light, any that pisseth against the wall. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said unto her, Go up in peace to thine house. See, I have hearkened to thy voice and have accepted thy person. David repented. He thanked her for his, her wise advice. He remembered the proverb that says, A fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. He did that, and he remembered that. And he repented of the evil he had planned for Nabal. Now, as we, as we bring this to a close, let's look at a couple of lessons here from this situation. I said this already. But beloved, leave vengeance in God's hand because He can render justice much better than you and I could ever do it in our own hands. Look at verse 36. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king. <laughs> he thought he was a king. He thought he was something else. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. She came back after saving him, and, and instead of him clapping her on the back and hugging her and saying, thank you so much for your wisdom, I'm so sorry, he was drunk. She shows up and he's, all, he's drunk. Wherefore she told him nothing, less or more, until the morning light. I can see this poor sister going back and just shaking her head, maybe crying herself to sleep because of all the trouble this Nabal, this fool, had given her. Verse 37, but it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became as a stone and it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. <laughs> now you think about this. David's getting ready to go kill this ungrateful, foolish, obstinate, wicked person. He's going to bring vengeance of his own down there to this place and all the attendant consequences would have fallen upon him. But because Abigail was wise and courageous and faithful, she goes down and she stops him and David's heart, like our hearts ought to be, was tender enough to realize I'm a fool and I've done some, I'm about to do something that I shouldn't do. And he turns back. And he, you know, I, I've said this before, you know, this idea of vengeance being in the hands of the Lord. Somebody says, well, I tried that one time and it never worked out. <laughs> well, you know, it hadn't, it hadn't yet, maybe. I've had that experience where I said, well, I'm just going to leave it in the hands of the Lord. As far as I know, the vengeance hadn't fallen yet. But David only had to wait 10 days. <laughs> David had to wait 10 days. Because when Abigail goes back, maybe 11 days, he, he goes, she goes back and she tells him, uh, the next morning, and he has a stroke or something. He becomes paralyzed. He becomes as a stone. He goes into a coma. And he, ten days later, he dies. The Lord smote him, we see. That's something we can take. We understand the Lord doesn't smite everybody that dies, but he smote him. And the vengeance fell, and all David had to wait was a week and a half. I wonder if David went back, and like I do sometimes, when I, even when I do the right thing and I leave it in the hands of the Lord, I wake up at 3 in the morning and I think, man, I wish I had, oh, oh, man, I wish I had done something to that guy. I just wish I, oh, I just can't. Just eat. You know what he did to me? I, maybe he sat around like I do sometimes with Sherry. Let me just tell you what, he, what they did to me. You know, 
Maybe he's talking to his friends there. And he said, said, you remember that guy? Boy, what an idiot he was. Oh, I, you know, I just want to wish I could go down there. And, oh, well, I'll just leave it in the hands of the Lord. Maybe one day. And ten days later, <laughs> ten day, week and a half later, the Lord has rendered justice in this situation. And David didn't have to do anything. And something else that David was spared from, you remember back earlier in this book, when all those priests had been wiped out at Nob, the family of Ahimelech, because of something David did, and David regretted it, I believe, for the rest of his life. You know, David was spared this time from all those kinds of regrets. And the last thing I want to leave you with is this. Abigail teaches us something very important. Look at verse 39. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil. For the Lord hath returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. And it says, as we continue reading, the servants of David were come to Abigail. They spoke unto her, saying, David sent us unto thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, Behold, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. And Abigail hasted and arose and rode up on, rode upon an ass with five damsels of hers that went after her. And she went after the messengers of David and became his wife. Now Abigail's end was a good end. And I notice that's always funny. You know, I recognize that from time to time I can be a Nabal. But I really hope that when, the, when I pass from this life that Sherry doesn't, doesn't haste to go running to the king or somebody else, you know. I hope she at least mourns me just a little bit, you know. Maybe, maybe you know, a week or two, you know, something like that. But, uh, but notice that Abigail, Abigail wasn't too worried about the fact that Nabal died. I think she felt freed from her prison. And it says she arose and she hasted and went down to David to be his wife. But notice the blessing here, it doesn't always work that way. Your Nabal is not always removed. But Abigail teaches us that it is possible. You know, sometimes, and I've noticed this in our, in our marriages, some of us that have been married for a long time, we, do, we too do tend to become more alike. We too do tend to grow together. If your marriage is a healthy marriage, and you, do, you will tend to see things alike. Sometimes we finish each other's other sentences and that sort of thing. I understand that. But child of God, if you are in a marriage that is a, not a good one, and you're married to a Nabal, Abigail teaches us that it's possible for a woman or any of us to maintain her spirit of love and grace even though she's married to a churlish fool. We don't have to become like Nabal just because we live with him. Now, I realize what the Bible says about evil communications corrupt good manners. That means the people you hang out with and the things you hear and see will corrupt your good nature. But it is possible to continue to serve God even though you may be set in some wicked, difficult circumstances with a wicked Nabal of this world. That applies not just in our marriage. I hope you're not married to a Nabal, either a man or a woman here. I hope you're not. But if you are, Abigail tells us we can continue to serve God and maintain our godly nature. But maybe your Nabal, maybe the way you're hooked up with a Nabal is in your job. Maybe it's in your, your job situation, where you work, 
I, I know how that is. I've been, I've been unequally yoked from time to time with people like Nabal who are not interested in the things of God. You don't have to be corrupted by that. You can maintain your godly outlook in life and your godly approach to life even though you may be hooked up with a Nabal. This wise, wise woman saved a foolish king from doing something that he would regret for the rest of his life. And I'm thankful to know that, like David, I struggle with these things. I struggle with my passions and my anger. I struggle with the Nabals of this world. But like David, we can be men and women after God's own heart if we will maintain our focus on the Word of God. Let me say this to you too. That's another reason we need the church. That's another reason we need today. We don't need to forsake the assembling of ourselves together because when we do, we'll get influenced by the Nabals of the world instead of by the saints of God in the, in the house of the Lord. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.